Hey friends, how do you find meaning in the pain of life, the difficult times that you go through? Our guest today says you have to grow deep in order to grow up. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 308, Jody Rosser and Growing Deep. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. Friends, I can't believe we've been doing this for over 300 episodes. Now we're well into the 300s, and I just love it. You've heard some, if you've listened to every episode, there's a few of you who have. um, You've heard some amazing stories about what God has done in people's lives, and I guarantee you today you're going to hear another great one so that's awesome uh friends if you uh well when you enjoy what we're the what you're hearing today would you do me one favor go ahead send a text i always say that send a text go into the overcast app grab a clip the one the story that you really loved text it to a friend share it on social media help get it out there that is how this show grows and we appreciate that. So thank you for doing that. Um, Let's go ahead and dive right in. Our guest today is an author, speaker, and podcaster. I had a chance to connect with her and uh, feature her in Podcast Magazine last year, which was awesome. She's the host of a podcast called The, The Depth Podcast. Easy for me to say. A podcast that helps others grow in their faith and stronger in their relationships. Helps them grow deep, right? I love that. Our guest is Jody Rosser. Jody, welcome to Halfway There. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Eric. Thanks for having me. I am glad to have you. I am also a person who uh, I just don't do shallow. I don't like shallow small talk questions. I like to dive right in. And I know you're kind of like that too. I am. I love it. I love to go deep in my conversations as well. Absolutely. So let's uh, dive in. You know, there's a there's more to you than uh, being an author, speaker, and podcaster. So give us more of that. But also um, the author thing's kind of new, right? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited, Eric. Yeah, my first book, it's coming out the end of the summer. And it's also called Depth, just like my podcast. And the subtitle is Growing Through Heartbreak to Strength. And what I realized is when I went through my greatest heartbreaks, which I've walked through a divorce, and I've lost uh, a dear friend of mine to pancreatic cancer, and I also had a miscarriage. When I walked through those heartbreaks, I realized that as God and I connected deeper than I ever had before, he was not only healing me, but he was growing my faith deeper. My roots were growing deeper. And so that's kind of what the book's about, is taking our heartbreaks. I asked the question on the back, what if your greatest heartbreak catapults you to your greatest growth? And that is what I think happened to me. As much as I didn't want to walk through those hard circumstances, I wouldn't wish them on anyone. I see that God didn't waste them and he used them to not only grow me deeper, but that's what birthed this whole ministry, which is my podcast that I have a blog where people share their heartbreak to strength stories, maybe a different storyline that they've walked through. And then that's what birthed this book, which I'm really excited to come along. Others books were a huge part of my healing. So I hope this book is part of someone else's healing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the thing I love about that is that this is actually the way things work, right? Is very often you have to go through something hard in order to discover something else, right? So oftentimes what we talk about here is the reason we talk about the dark night of the soul all the time is because it's not unusual. I grew up hearing the testimony as uh, my life was terrible. Then I met Jesus. Now my life is great, which is a lovely story, but uh, there's all the other things that happen after that, right? Like you're not promised a really smooth ride after you come to faith. In fact, it's the hardship 
that God often uses to take out the identities that we have that we don't need to have and that he wants to show us who we really are. So we're going to talk about all of that uh, in the context of your story, which I can't wait to hear. So uh, let's just go uh, back. So go where where did you grow up and what was your what was your family like growing up? Oh, yeah. So I have three sisters. So there was four girls and we grew up in a Christian family and I grew up going to church and I always knew about God's love. I always knew about, you know, Jesus dying on the cross and he loved us that much. But it wasn't until college, Eric, that the love that I knew in my head transferred into my heart. And I firmly believe I was a Christian before that. But I feel like that was a pivotal time in my moment where I felt God's love for the first time. And I remember it was a sophomore in college, 10th grade. I was in my apartment and I had really bad acne that started like my senior year, freshman year of college and sophomore year. And it really just affected how I felt about myself. I had to go on this medicine called Accutane. And it was just like your whole face peels off. And it's just was it was miserable. The good news is it does clear it up. But it's like a year of just really hard six months of really hard. And I remember sitting on the couch and just being just like, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. And I had a Bible at the time that was called the Women's Devotional Bible. So it had obviously the regular scripture, but then there was little devotionals from women. And one of them was this woman just sharing her pain and her loneliness that she felt because I just felt very lonely in it. And there was a verse that said, um, it's a Hebrews. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I just remember at that moment bursting into tears. And I felt like God was there with me, that he wasn't leaving my side. He was walking through it with me. And it was the very first time that I truly felt the love of God in the middle of these heartbreaking circumstances. And it's interesting. I didn't realize how much I would feel that later as I walked through these other heartbreaks, but it was this moment where mm-hmm. the, it just traveled 18 inches, right from my head to my heart. But I I just felt the love of God in such a powerful way. And that's when my faith started to really grow. Again, I still feel like that was just phase one, right? I got into God's word. I was reading it, but it took years later for more heartbreaks to even deepen it more. I feel like that is one of the gifts in the middle of the the hard thing is that as much as we don't want to walk through it, it just, there's this intimacy level, this deepening of our faith with God that we can't get when status quo, when we're doing things, when things are going good, we just don't seek him in that same way when things are going good, we sometimes, sometimes don't even open our Bibles, right? It's like, oh, I could handle today in my own strength. But when we get to a place where we're just the, the rugs pulled out from under us and we're, life did not turn out like we expected, that in those moments in time, God is there, kind of meets us in that pain. And that intimacy is that gift that kind of comes in the middle of that, that I think is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fascinating. So you, you've discovered that kind of early on. That was the moment that you, you first felt God's love. Like, what was it that made you go, uh, that, that, or just describe that sensation of like feeling, sensing God's love and his, um, you know, just his presence. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think, um, I just felt very alone. Uh, it was a time where I just didn't like how I looked and I think self-worth and self-esteem and all that is such an important part of your teenage, right? I was a young adult. I was probably 19. And so I just felt alone. And I just, this woman's story where she felt alone, hers were completely different circumstances, but that verse, I just read it. And it just like resonated with me that I'm not alone. Like the God of the universe created me Mm. and he loves me. And I don't know, I just felt it in a tangible way. Maybe it's the first time I felt that intimacy. And I'm not even sure I could put into words how it changed, but in my heart, I felt it differently than I'd ever experienced God before. And I had gone to church forever. I mean, at church camps, you know, when you get those highs at those mountaintops experiences, like I loved, I loved, I felt like my faith, faith always deepened at those places. I'd come home on fire, but 
you know, it did only last so long, but like, this was one of those things where it just felt like similar to that, like, a this, not a mountaintop experience in the sense of like, there was this big wow moment and like music and all that, but just like this epiphany of like, God really deeply cares for me. I don't know how to put it else in other words, no, that's but that. okay. That's really good. So I love what you said there about the difference between like a church camp and, uh, and like a real tangible experience with the Holy spirit on your own. Um, and I was trying to think of an analogy and I can't think of something like there's a, I don't know, there's a, I don't know, the difference between a shovel and a backhoe, right? Like there's a, there's a, there's a difference yeah. there, right? The, where, uh, I don't know. And anyway, I'll have to think about that and figure out, figure out a good analogy for it. Uh, okay. So you've, you've had this experience and you're, you're growing with the Lord. Tell us, how did you grow from there? Like what, what happened? Were there, were there mentors? Were there other scriptures? Were there books or things that really helped you as you were kind of, I call that learning the way of Jesus. What was, what was that like? Yeah. Well, you know what? I wasn't a huge reader. I'm a huge reader now, but back then I wasn't. Um, so a lot of it was just, you know, learning what you learned at church or I would go to Bible studies. I was in a small group. And so I would learn from that. Um, uh, soon after that, I, I got married and we had a couples group that we went to. And then uh, when I had kids, I went to like a teen, you know, like a mops group and there was, you know, speakers that would come in. And so a lot of the truth that was, I, I was in taking, I guess you could take, you know, being fed was from speakers, church, uh, I wasn't my own personal reading. Like I had my Bible time, but it wasn't like I was diving into mm. other Christian authors. I actually regret it. If I could go back in time, I wish that at that young age, I started diving into nonfiction Christian books because that is something that helped me so much. Fast forward, you know, 20 years later when I walked through my divorce, right? Because I was, yeah. Um, yeah, I was in my late 30s. And so 19, you know, 20 years later. So that is that was probably when my faith took a whole nother level. Up until then, you know, I... I was definitely, I was serving, I was involved in church, but I, I wouldn't say I was like a shallow Christian, but I just don't think I had a, I, I wasn't self-aware. Let's put it that way, Eric. I, I had, there was a lot I needed to learn about myself, about emotional literacy, all that. I was very immature and, um, I didn't really learn that again until my divorce was probably my most, <laughs> my greatest heartbreak, but my most growing time after it, like mm. the amount of that year, I don't know, God just poured stuff into me that I never knew. And um, again, Christian books were huge at that point, but I did have a mentor in my life when I was younger and I definitely think I was growing, but I don't think at the, I think the catalyst that really took the roots, like, like really deep was, um, yeah. you know, years later with my divorce. Right. Okay. So I want to just, um, highlight what you said. Like there, it's true. I think the, the interesting thing about being young and immature and I, cause I have the same situation, right. Where I look back and I go, Man, I wish I'd have known, right? If I mm -hmm. knew then, I think everybody has that experience about a wide variety of things, about career, about family, about other relationships, right? You look back and you go, oh man, I wish I'd have known that thing because I would have handled it differently, but, right. I, but I didn't. Or I, I, I just think that's part of being young and immature and it's normal, um, which is why we have to go through those kinds of, those harder situations um, that God uses. And so he helps us, helps us deepen. I'll just use that, use your word yes. uh, as, as we go through that. So tell me, so you've, you've talked about it a little bit already. So go ahead, like, tell us that story uh, since that seems like it's kind of the next real big inflection point for you. Like what, what happened or, I mean, you can tell us with as much detail as you want, but for you, what was your story uh, 
you know, when you, when you got divorced and how you kind of handled that and how God helped that, helped you through it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I had two kids and we, they were really young. They were six and 10 and it wasn't something I wanted for our family, but it was the, what, what we, our path. And what happened was I still remember um, the morning after uh, I knew our family was not, you know, we're going to be breaking apart. And I just remember getting my journal and getting my, and just saying, God, I don't want this. I, I felt like this pain, like I had never felt before. And I said, I don't want this pain to break me. I don't want to become bitter. I want you to figure out how to help me use this and help me grow from this. And I remember writing this in my journal and I don't even think I fully comprehended what I was writing at the time. I was just trying to mm. surrender it over to him. I, at that point I had been in counseling for many years and I was, you know, really trying to seek God and surrender things to him when it was out of my control. And, um, I remember right after that, uh, I, just this peace came over me and I was in the middle of probably one of my most devastating times. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was not easy. I mean, there were days I could barely get out of bed and I just would look at my day and go, how am I going to do this? How am I going to help my kids grieve? How am yeah. I going to walk through the grief? I mean, it was devastating. It was definitely not what I wanted for my life or for my kids. But, um, I, I just remember God showing up each day. I would sometimes just pray, help me. It wasn't even like these big pivotal quiet times. Sometimes he would get me up around four or five, um, and I'd have these longer times where I would journal and read, but a lot of times it was just a prayer, like get me through this day. And he just met me in a way I never knew possible and, and just gave me strength for that day. Sometimes it was for that hour. You know, um, my kids, I remember when we told them the news, uh, I remember my oldest son just got very like stoic, like no emotion. My younger mm -hmm. son burst into tears. He was first greater at the time. And I just remember my head thinking, Oh my gosh, we're screwing up our kids. Like they're going to be telling this moment to a counselor someday, <laughs> the day they found out their parents were splitting up. And I just remember my heart was so heavy. And I thought, God, this is like the worst thing that could ever happen. It was like the worst thing. But what was so interesting is that that worst thing that happened, like it allowed us to go to counseling together. Right. So the kids went to their counselor and they started learning things. And I went to my counselor and I was learning things. And it actually was a horrible thing for our family. I'm not sugarcoating it, but what it did is it allowed us to have emotional literacy that we wouldn't have had before. Like the kids were learning how to deal with emotions. Like you think about it, most kids don't experience a great heartbreak until they're older, right? Maybe in their twenties, right? So these kids are six and 10, seven and 11 were meeting with a counselor, learning how to process their pain. And it's interesting about two years later, when my friend got diagnosed with cancer, I remember driving with my son and at that point now he was in middle school. So he was in elementary school when we got divorced and I was just, my heart was breaking for her kids. And I was sharing that. And he goes, mom, don't you know that loss shapes character? And I remember at this mm. moment in time, just like, what? Like my son is in seventh grade and I'm like, that is so wise. So how did he get that wisdom? Well, it came from walking through something really hard that I wish I'd never had happened to my kids, but we grew in that time, right? Their emotional ways to identify their emotions, their um, understanding of life, like it deepened. And I wouldn't have wanted that for them. I would have wanted them to just kind of be a kid. But then I also see that they are more mature because of it. So it's kind of like, I think we think we never want these circumstances. And again, I don't wish them on anyone. But in the middle of them, I think if you could change your perspective of, okay, this is what I have happening. Like, I can't change it. Like, this is the path our family's on, or, you know, this loved one we have is, has cancer, or, you know, we don't get to choose the circumstances, but if you could then change your perspective of them as what if that very thing could deepen your faith in your family, could grow your emotional literacy, could change the trajectory of your kids' lives. Like, 
Yeah. I don't think those words would have come out of my son's mouth if we hadn't walked through a divorce two years earlier. Right. And so I don't know. I I call it the bless in the mess. There is some blessing in the middle of the hard thing. And it's trying to see that kind of have like your, I call it, you see God's God, like we see our picture, like we see the small little puzzle piece, but God sees this bigger picture. And we're looking at it like, this isn't what I want for my life. And he's saying, but but in order for your kids to be mature or for you to grow deeper, like Jody, you would not have grown in your faith if you hadn't walked through this. Like, that's what right. I was wanting. You become more empathetic. I remember I didn't even have the th- gift of empathy. Someone would share something hard and I didn't know how to reply. I, I would sometimes say nothing, but now I know how to enter into that pain with someone. Well, that's a gift from the brokenness that I walked through from the divorce that I wouldn't have had before. And so if I want to become this person that God wanted me to be, Sadly, the path that I would like him to take me there is roses and rainbows, but that's not how God got me there. He had to take me through a detour, a storm, taking my yeah. life down a path I never wish I had taken. Yeah. But then the, the beautiful thing was the gift from it. Right. So what I would say, too, is, it's, is that it's not even necessarily that God causes these things, right? But he, right. Knows, and he, he knows that we have to walk through them, and he will take us through them as we encounter it. Right. And so right. we always have a choice. What are we going to do? Are we going to, are we going to embrace the, uh, pain and the, and, and do the work, right. Or are we going to go and say, you know, go off the deep end. Some people do that also. Right. Right. You, right. We know those stories. Um, but the, the, I think the blood, as you say, the blessing comes as you embrace and do the work and you ask the Lord, what's going on? Like, what what do I do? What do I need to learn? What How do I walk through this? And you become dependent. Because I hear you saying you just really became dependent on the Lord in a way that you hadn't before. Yes, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. I actually um, think that that dependency, we don't really, re- like so much of our life, we can do it in our own strength. And we can handle life. But when we get to a place where we can't, and then we depend on God, and then we see him show up in such a beautiful way. It's like, we don't want to do it ourselves anymore. Like we want to depend on him, but it is definitely um, one of the blessings from it. And, and I just, I just someone out there that's listening right now and they're like right in the middle of it. Like they just got the diagnosis or they just got served divorce papers or whatever the case is. And they are like, their heart has just been shattered. This is not a, like this, this perspective doesn't just happen the next day. Like this is a growth thing over time. You know, I would, I would, encourage them to seek God every day, but just allow themselves to grieve. These are hard emotions. These are hard circumstances. You have to allow yourself to go through the pain and it's going to feel yucky. And it's going to have days where you're just like crying, you know? And so it's not like right away you have this beautiful new perspective on your life, but I would also say to them, God's not going to waste it. And just to really be expectant to see how he's going to use it Yeah, because one of the things in my book, I talk about how we honestly share our story and help another hurting heart. And each one of my heartbreaks one year later, Eric, someone else walked through something almost identical. And Mm -hmm. I was able to come alongside and help them. And if I hadn't walked that path, I wouldn't have had the words to say to them or the empathy to offer them. And I'm not sure why we walk through heartbreak. I, on my podcast, I say this all the time. I'm not going to try to understand why, but one thing I do know that 
that one thing I do know is that we can then help someone that we couldn't have helped before that is going through the same thing. Like we can turn around, like if it's a bridge, right? If you can imagine a bridge between the two people, we could turn around and help someone across the bridge and then they can turn around and help someone else. And I don't know if that's one of the reasons why we go through it, but I have seen that happen over and over in my life. And then I've seen someone else in their life that he uses it. He uses the the life-shattering circumstances to then come and help someone else that's walking through theirs. Yeah. So one of the things God does with these dark night situations is he, I, I got this from John of the Cross. It really impressed me uh, when I read this book because he, he frames um, the dark night of the soul in terms of the seven deadly sins, right? Mm. But his point with that is that God will use a dark night to take out identities, take out things that we're depending on, take out things that we're, we think is are who we are yeah, and give us new ones and give us new things. So what's something that you learned about yourself going through uh, your divorce that you maybe didn't, didn't know and maybe that you had to unlearn and then what you replaced it with? Mm, such a good question. Okay. Well, I have a chapter in my book called Embrace the Chisel. And I call it that because God really chiseled me after the, my divorce. And one of the things that he did was he changed my struggle with anger. So I really would at the drop of hat, just fly off the handle and, Mm. you know, say every mean word I could think of. Right. And so I remember at, in counseling at the time, trying to go back and identify, you know, what is triggering it. And I realized that anger is a secondary emotion and the primary emotion is hurt. So if I could go back and see that someone disappointed me or hurt me, or then I could stop, not go straight into anger and just voice like those words hurt me. And it was such a growing experience for me. And so that was one of my big growth steps. I would say one of the biggest things I worked on, I probably started a little before the divorce, but like per, for sure after it was something. And I started a saying in my home called my response is my responsibility. And I t- taught it to my kids. And I said, your response is your responsibility. So no more can I say you made me angry, right? Because right. you know what? They could make me frustrated, but I could choose whether I got angry. That was my choice. And that was my responsibility to control that. And so I would teach that to them. And it was really funny because I would teach it to them. So I would say to them all the time. And then one time I did get really frustrated and the kids turned to me and they said, mom, your response (laughs) is your responsibility. I was like, oh, they're feeding it back to me. I mean, obviously I was proud of them, but at the time I was not happy with those words because I was like, I just want to yell. But you know what? Uh, It really did change our home because Mm. I realized, and that was something that had been a struggle for a long time for me, Eric. And I definitely think that was one of the areas that um, God was working on my character, right? Like this is something you need to work on. And it had, it took that for me to see, I needed to work on this and really dive deeper into it. And it just started me on a whole path of emotional literacy. I would say before that I was completely emotional illiterate. And so just even learning how to name our emotions, what am I feeling? Mm. Be, being able to comfort my kids and not like I call it the comfort cycle. So when they were disappointed, being able to really get down and identify the emotion with them and comfort them versus trying to like say, I, I give this example on my podcast, but like we went to an amusement park, SeaWorld, and my son was really devastated. His favorite ride was closed for the day, right? The old me would have been like, we're at SeaWorld. We're having a good day. Like suck it up, you know? Um, but I just got down on my knees and I looked into his eyes and I said, I know it's really hard that your favorite rides closed today. And he's like, yeah. And I said, I would be disappointed too. So I validated how he felt. I named it first, validated how he felt. And then I said, what do you need from mom? He just needed a hug. And then we had the greatest rest of the day. And instead of him feeling like no one understood, he felt understood. He felt validated. And so I feel like emotional literacy was another big part of what I learned 
in the from the pain, right? I just really we dove deep into that as a family and yeah. empathy. That's one of my favorite things now to talk about when I go speak at mm. women's events. And especially like mops groups, I'm talking to young moms and I say, oh, you know, love is really a beautiful gift you could give your kids. But the best gift you can give your kids is empathy, entering into their shoes and their pain and just whatever's going on in their life and understanding. Because especially when they're teenagers, I feel like that is one of the best tools and gifts that I have had to help, you know, have a good relationship with my teenagers. And so anyways, that's one something that Eric, again, I don't know if I would have learned that if I hadn't walked through those heartbreaking circumstances. And so that was, that was a, uh, something now I like the better version of me now than I did before. But again, it took a lot of hard work. I mean, it counseling, it wasn't like overnight, all of a sudden, this is how it was. Like I had to dive deep through the pain and, and grieve. Right. Right. Which is normal, right? It takes time. It takes time to go through all those things. I love that. So for some reason, I keep thinking about all of these. Have you seen these articles from Christians of a certain persuasion that say uh, empathy is a sin? Have you seen this? It no, I've never seen that. Oh don't, <gasps> don't even look for it. It's, so <laughs> it's not horrible. a sin. Oh, my God. Right. It's, Who thinks uh, that? It's just a, well, it's a certain persuasion of... of uh, oh, wow. I've never heard that. Strident Christian. Um, mm. Anyway. Uh, but what bothers me about that, besides just the obvious lack of humanity, yes, is is that it doesn't take into consideration how Jesus really is empathetic to the human condition, right? It's not yes. like he's just simply, yes, God is high and lifted up. Yes, God is transcendent, but he is also imminent and he is also uh, here, right? So he came to be born and goes through the entire human experience, uh, that means something. And so, um, anyway, it, it, yeah, empathy is so very important. I think it's actually a godly attribute that was developed in you that you were able to acquire because you, because you embraced it. And I think yes. that's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think Jesus was empathetic when he was here on earth. I mean, yeah. I think of the story with Mary and Martha and they just lost Lazarus and they come out and he, was empathetic. He wept with them. He, he entered into their emotion with them. That's what empathy is. It's, it's, you don't always have to agree and understand what they're going through, but you enter into the pain with them. And so I, I think it's a powerful gift and you know what? It brings connection. It, it brings community. So you feel understood. And when you feel understood, you want to share more with that person. So it brings greater depth in your relationships as well, which one of the things I like to do is help not only you grow deeper in your faith, but also stronger with your relationships. And I think empathy is one of the best ways. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm going to add one more scripture to this. Yes, please do. It's one I keep thinking about uh, lately and it's Elijah. uh, And I forget where it is. Maybe King's like first, second Kings 19, something like that. Um, maybe I'm getting them confused, but uh, Elijah, after he gets, after the whole thing with the fire on the, yes. you know, the, with Baal and he runs off and he, he's going to, you know, the King's seeking him, trying to, trying to kill him. And he's depressed, right? He runs off and he's like, he's so sad. And he complains at God and he says, look, I'm not, you know, I'm the only one. There are no more prophets. They're going to kill them all. And, you know, you, you've, uh, there's my, my job is over basically is what he says. And God is so kind in that. Like it's mm. easy, it'd be easy to read. And I think I've heard this preached. Um, Cause my, my background, the ways that I read, especially Jesus, but also God in, in various places is with a condemning 
tone, right? Yes, yes. But God is actually super kind to Elijah in that case. One, he says, you need to sleep, take a nap. Right. Eat some food, right? And he does that multiple times. And then he, when he wakes up, uh, God says to him, all right, look, here's the deal. You're not the only one. I've got a remnant. That's my job, not your job. Uh, so don't worry about it. And then he says, uh, and I'm going to give you a, a companion and gives him Elisha. Uh, and you're, he has to go anoint him. So that's part of his job. And I want you to anoint some kings. And so he sends him and gives, it reminds him, nope, you still have a purpose as long as I have a purpose for you, right? Right. All of those things, he addresses every single one of Elijah's concerns and fears, uh, but in the kindest way possible. And it, does, I, yeah. it, when I when I feel like God, I'm like, okay, you know, what what's going on? I always go back to that passage because I think God does care. God does have empathy for his people. He he that's the relationship he wants to have with us. And it sounds like you learned that going through all these hard uh, situations, uh, as well. Yeah. I love that. That's a great example of it. And then and even he speaks to him through the whisper, right? It's not through the big fire in the mm. wind. Like he, he comes so tenderly and to hear a whisper, you have to lean in close. So it just shows his closeness and tenderness and he provides from the food. And, and again, that just yeah. all shows a God that cares. Yeah. Not a yeah. condemning God, which I think that that also is a message that I used to think young again, depending on what, how you, were raised and maybe what you heard, you know, shame or things. And so I think that could be how we interpret things, but that's not how God's speaking to Elijah. Right. No. So good. Right. Yes. So friends, that's not how he's speaking to you, right? If Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's it. So yeah. uh, dig I, into that. I love that. Can I just add something to that? Please. Because with divorce, I think there's shame and Mm. I remember feeling shame. You know, I was a strong Christian. Our family was a Christian family. I remember being like, this is not, I was embarrassed if I'm really honest. And I didn't want to be divorced and I did not want others to know. And I remember having this shame. Like when we were in counseling, I had dealt with a lot of the, you know, anger and all these different things, but there was one emotion. I was like, I need to address this. Like I have shame and I know that that's not from God. And so I had to work through it. And it, I have a whole section in the, in the book, I use this acrostic for strength and my N for strength is never lose sight of God's grace. And I think that as we're walking through these hard things, sometimes if there is like certain things have shame attached to them and some don't, but if you do have that, if you're walking through something like a divorce an addiction or something, and you, you feel the shame, I just want, you know, God does not want you to live shackled in your shame. He wants you to be set free by his grace. And I used to think grace was just, you know, grace for, you know, dying on the cross and eternal grace, right? But there's also grace for your life. Like he wants you to know that mm. he can use anything. It, nothing is out of God's reach to, to redeem and use to help someone else. You know, it, even if you feel shame for it, God wants to, when you take those broken pieces and lay them at his feet, right? That is the step of surrender. As we surrender them to him, he can take any of that and use it. And you can use it to help someone else. I mean, who better to help someone else that's walking through an addiction than someone that has been freed from an addiction? Who better to help someone who's walking through divorce than someone who's walked that path and come out, right? So God doesn't want to waste that pain, but shame was really powerful. And I, I have a whole chapter about a divine appointment that God had where he helped me see that I, because I felt unused, like, okay, God, you can't use me anymore, you know, and mm. it was this. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'll, I'll just give a cliff note version, but Lisa Bevere had come to speak at this woman of faith conference. I had gone to see Lisa Turker. She was my favorite author. Her best yes book had just come out. So this was years ago. 
And Lisa Bevere took the stage and her book Girls with Swords had just released. And she talked about this movie Terminator and how in the movie um, she was watching with her son and like, you know, this the people from the past future are coming back to try to kill her. And she's saying, I haven't done anything. And the guy that's protecting her is like, but you will. And she said at that moment, she realized that sometimes our spiritual warfare isn't about who we are right now, but who we're going to be. And Satan's trying to shut us down. And so she said, if you're going through spiritual warfare right now, maybe it's not about anything right now, but who you're going to be. And it was just this freeing moment. I thought, well, well, I just felt like I couldn't be anything because I have this divorce and I had this moment in time, like, God, do you want to use me? And it was just powerful, Eric. I like remember saying, Satan, you almost had me, but now I know God can use me. And I used to say, I am a broken vessel, but God can still use me. And I used to like, say that every morning when I woke up, because I just felt such mm. shame. And I actually have something in my bathroom that says, be the kind of woman when your feet hit the ground, Satan says, oh crap, she's up. You know? <laughs> and so I would try to say like, I'm going to take all this I've been through and walk through and all the hurts and pain. And I'm going to use it to help others. And I'm going to use it to free others and, and help them see that God has a purpose and God has a pain. And you may look at your puzzle right now and see this one piece and saying, I don't want this piece. I wish this isn't part of my story. But God sees how it's going to make such a beautiful cover and a beautiful picture. And he's going to use it in ways you can't see. Mm. And I just want to speak that over to someone that's feeling shame. Shame is not from God. Shame is not from mm. God. Amen. Amen. And even if God's people try to make you feel shame yes. or try to shame you, uh, don't let them. <laughs> right? That's just true. Say, just say no. It's okay to go, look, that's not a that's not a thing. Um and it's not, again, it's not even endorsing you. How did you say this earlier? You can offer somebody empathy. You can love somebody without necessarily agreeing with them. Right? Yes. You don't have to agree with all the circumstances or the choices or the, or whatever, but you can still love them. And that yes. is as God loves us, right? While we were sinners, he loved us. That's yes. what we need, uh, how we need to approach it. Okay. So it sounds like that, that event was really powerful. Um, were were there were there any other moments that helped you deal with shame or helped you realize because this is a thing I think the reason I ask is I'll, I'll just preface yes, that yeah is because I th I don't think you're alone and I think there is maybe we're starting to come out from under that shadow but I think in the evangelical church there there are certain things that can feel like oh that's just a stigma right or it's a it's a thing that we're you know oh you know what's up with them or whatever. Um, I don't, I'm not okay with that. Right. So I think, so I'm, I'm curious if there were other resources, experiences that helped you kind of wrestle with and through the shame and experience God's grace mm, through it. That's a great question. You know what? So there was something that happened that I thought was very freeing and I will share this story and then kind of give my, a, a, a thing that maybe I can encourage someone with, but right after that conference, I had come home and I just felt on fire. Well, I, at that time, we had not really publicly shared a whole lot about the divorce. The kids were so young. We had kept it private and I knew it was going to break. The news was going to break. And so, yes, I had felt this great freedom from this shame, but I also knew, no, I haven't really told, for, you know, I told close family and friends, like people close to me, but you know, I, the community still was not aware. And so I remember, um, just be, being nervous about that and how, what are people going to think and kind of letting that play in my head, like, and so I, 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 again, I had these moments in time with God where we get up really early and journal. And one time I felt like he was saying, go to the computer. And I started just typing and I had just read something about vulnerability and how so many of us want to just put off 
put on put out, out to others the best version of ourselves, right? No one's really vulnerable with what's going on in their real life. And so I felt like God's saying, be vulnerable and write like what's going on in your family's life. And so I wrote this whole thing. And then he's like, share it with everyone on your email list. And I was like, what? What are we doing here, God? Like, I don't think this is how I want to tell the world that I'm going through a divorce. But I remember clearly God was like, you need to share this. And I had written something about, let me give you my behind the scenes and just talked about, you know, mm-hmm. how God had met me in the pain. And it was just this very vulnerable post. Okay, I'm not going to lie, Eric. I send it. I go take a shower and I'm freaking out in the shower. Like, what did I just do? And I'm like, <sighs> get out of the shower. I go check my email. And I'm telling you, I've never, I, the emails I got back, not condemnation, but people opening up and sharing things they never had shared with me before. Like Jody, I feel comfortable to say, this is what's going on with me, or this is what happened in my life. And I have never told anyone this. And I'm telling you, Eric, it was powerful. I was sobbing and I sat there and I realized there is something about being vulnerable that breeds connection that when we can admit, like, this isn't what I wanted for my life. This is not the path I wanted for my family. I am sad that this is the choice that our family had with the divorce, but I'm sharing this with you and telling you that in the middle of it, God has been faithful to me. And then I open up about that. Oh, the floodgates open. I got so many emails and I just sat there in awe of God. And I thought, don't hide this. Like the shame fosters in the dark. When mm-hmm. we bring it to light. Now I'm not telling people to go send out their, all their dirt to everyone they know in their whole email list. But <laughs> right. if I didn't write it in a very, I wrote it in a very godly way, right? Just shared, this is what's going on our family. I didn't say anything negative about anyone. I just shared about God's faithfulness, right? So if you are going to share things, bring it always how God's meeting you in the pain. That's the part you want to share. That's the part that's going to uplift others. But when you do share it, it's going to have others feel comfortable to share back with you. There is something powerful about vulnerability. And I think that breaks the shame. I think that breaks the power of shame, I should say, because guess what? The reason you feel shame is what if other people know, right? What if other people know my secret? Well, guess what? I told everyone my secret. So that day when I walked through school, I was a te- I'm a teacher and I remember seeing someone who had replied to me. And when I looked at her, I didn't feel condemnation. I didn't feel like, what if she knows? I'm like, she does know. I told her, but I told her in a way that I shared God's, mm-hmm. God's faithfulness in the middle of it. And so it just brought, it just broke the chains of the shame. So I felt like I had one pivotal moment where the shame was broken with just me and like a me and God moment. And then I had to have it happen with like me and others. Yeah. And, um, you know what? I, I it's powerful. Again, be vulnerable. That doesn't mean you, you share things that are not you know, that, that you got to be careful. You don't overshare. Cause there are details to my story that I don't share with people that are private, that are our families that it's not for the world to know. But I do think that anytime you share about God's part in your life, anytime you share about how God's meeting you in your pain, that's the part that boosts hope in someone else. That's the part that comes alongside and infuses hope to them thinking, well, if God met her in pain that in that powerful way, then he can do that for me. Right. And that's the part that helps break the cycle yeah. that's, that's, that's holding people back. Right. What vulnerability does is it opens a door, yes. right? And it says, Hey, look, uh, if you're also struggling, we can be friends, right? Yes. We, can, we can step through this door and that's what you experienced. And it, it increased the depth to my relationships because right. no longer were things as shallow anymore, Eric, because now it's like, Oh, I know you're struggling with this. This is my struggles. And then guess what? We are going deeper in our conversations. And so it's a beautiful way to have depth in your relationships as well. Mm, I love that. Okay. 
Well, Jody, I'd be remiss. We've talked a little bit about your book, but I'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention your podcast again and yes. talk about what you're doing there and, and what you're, I'd love to hear some things that you've learned from your podcast. Your podcast is the Depth Podcast. What what have you learned and what, how is that? Uh, and was that a leap of faith for you too? And tell, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, it was a total leap of faith because, you know, Eric, I'm not techie at all. And so I remember at the time I was trying to get my book out into the world and I had um, gone to She Speaks in 2018. Again, that version of the book is it's so improved since then. That was like the first, you know, thank the Lord that version of the book is not published. But um, that <laughs> that's I was trying to get out into the world. So that next year I was kind of working on growing my platform. And then I thought I was going to go back to She Speaks and pitch it again. Totally missed the email to sign up, which is not like me. I'm very type A. Oh, I'm wow. very on top of it. I feel like God didn't want me to sign up. And so then I remember being super disappointed. Of course, I knew now how to manage disappointments. So I'm journaling. God, why? Like uh, talking about my disappointment, um, walking through the, that hard emotion. And I remember saying, God, if that's not the next step, what's the next step? Went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, still feeling like frustrated and disappointed. So I journaling some more. And in my heart, Eric, I heard this like depths of podcast. And at that time, the word depth had been it was my word for 2017. And God had just shown me this illustration of a tree and how the way the tree endures the storm is the roots have grown so deep that it can handle the winds and the, and so I just, I just desired that depth in my, my relationships with people, but as well with my faith. And so I thought that someday that word depth was going to be a nonprofit that would help get books into readers' hands. Cause I just knew books were such oh, a powerful yeah. way that I had grown my depth. Well, little did I know that depth was not going to be a nonprofit. It was going to be a podcast and I was going to be giving books away after every episode of the authors I interviewed. No idea that that was what God had planned. So this, this idea was birthed in me. Uh, it was interesting because the year before I had met a lot of the authors of the books I had that had impacted me. God was just letting me have opportunities to meet these people I should have never been meeting. And it was just really powerful. So I went back and asked them, would you like to come on as a guest? And many of them agreed. And it was very exciting. So it kind of like started as like, let's just see what happens. And then it's turned into my favorite part of my ministry. I love talking especially to the people whose books have changed my life and have spoken truth into my right. life like that. Like, like to be able to think that Eric, it is powerful, like to say, and to say this part of your book, like this exact part birthed this or this exact part helped with this or that. Like, I think it, I think they loved hearing it and it just, it brought the healing full circle. Well, anyways, that started. And then I realized that it's not just someone that's written a book that has a powerful story. There are inspiring mm. stories that aren't in written form. They are in their person's life. And so I started having inspiring stories come on and people share and it maybe wasn't a book yet, but maybe they were going to be a book, an aspiring writer. But so because I realized at that point, that's kind of what I was at. Mine had not become a book yet, but I had this testimony. And so I have a little bit of both, but I, I love to share stories that are going to ignite hope in something else. Because here's one thing I realized when I was reading these books, their story of how God met them and he was faithful ignited that in me. So that's what I love to do on the podcast is have someone share their story, talk about how God met them in their pain. How did their greatest heartbreak catapult them to their greatest growth? How did their roots grow deeper in the middle of something they never wished they had walked through? And then there's also been some fun episodes. I've had my family on and done. So, I mean, I, I sometimes do like, um, holiday things like some, like my mom came on and we talked about an Easter tradition we did. And that was really special. Um, so I kind of have some practical things on too, based on, the holidays, but I would say most of the episodes are someone's book. And sometimes the books aren't always like a heartbreak. Sometimes it's just a powerful book about something else, but I love, I love to ignite hope in people and, and people to grow. I think reading is, I, 
I want to still a love for someone to read and grow in their faith that way. So that's what I do on the podcast. And I love it. I've had a lot of fun. We've, I think we're coming on 140 episodes mm. almost, which is really exciting, Eric. And, um, yeah, so that's that's something I'm very passionate about is helping people grow deeper in their faith and stronger in their relationships. It's, it's a big deal. I love that too. You know, one of my favorite things is to have the opportunity to interview people whose work has influenced me. So uh, recently I had James Bryan Smith on the show back the first time I talked to Oz Guinness. I, his, his book is the reason, one of his books, he's written many, uh, is the reason I do my show the way I do. Right. Mm. And so I told him that. And I, I don't know, honestly, that he was like, oh, OK, because that was not <laughs> the point of the book at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm sure it touched his it. heart and it changed my life. Yeah. I might talk to him again uh, in 2020. That was pretty cool. But that's anyway, so but great. I totally love that. And here's the thing, man, with podcasting, I don't think there's anybody that's off limits. Like mm. for the most part, you can talk to just about anybody you want. Um, it's never been more possible there. I still think there's probably a few levels of government that I can't reach, but there are some, <laughs> there are some that I can. So, uh, anyway, I think, I think it's pretty great. Uh, I love that about your, your podcast. All right. So Jody, thanks for sharing some of your story. I, I just love hearing your, uh, your joy and your willingness to go deep into, into the pain and to, to realize and understand, you know, and look for God and all those things. The book, um, again, you said the book is also going to be called Depth. Yeah. So here's a fun little story about that. It was going to be called Heartbreak to Strength. And a publisher I was talking with said, I love it when the title has the promise, not the you know, yeah. hard thing. And so she said, Jody, it's all about cultivating those deep roots and growing in your face. She's like, what if you called it Depth? And then she, in six words, captured everything, growing through heartbreak to strength. And I was like, I love it. It's tight. It's it's It matches and brand, the brand that I already have with my with my uh, podcast, but I love the idea that, that, that is what happened to me. Like it, my greatest mm -hmm. heartbreak did catapult me. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't a choice. It catapulted me. It flung me into this place where I had the choice. Am I going to run to God in my pain? Am I going to run away by choosing to run to him? He just grew my faith in ways never. I mean that if you think about my growth as a trajectory, you know, like it spiked during after that. Right. And I believe that that can be true for everyone. And it's just a beautiful way to look at our hard times to see that it's birthing something beautiful in us that God's going to use to and not only endure the next storm, but this is what I also say. If you want to grow bigger and higher and go to new heights, you have to have that depth in your foundation first. So not only are the deep roots helping you endure the storms, but they're going to help you go to new heights that God has you. God has plans for you beyond what you can imagine. You're not going to be able to reach those if you haven't grown deep first. He doesn't want to take you higher and have you fail. So you have to have that depth and your roots to withstand those new heights. He's going to take you, but he's beyond your imagination. I believe he can use it. And so that's one of the other messages in the book. Yes. All right. There's a famous quote from, I think it was Billy Graham. that He said, if you only have three years to do ministry, it's been two of them preparing, right? Because that's what you're saying. Got to grow yes. deep in order to grow, uh, grow, to grow up. Yeah. yeah. Grow up. I love it. Jody. Okay. Guys, again, the book is called depth and, uh, growing through heartbreak to strength. It's out everywhere. I'll have links of course, as always in the show notes at halfway there podcast.com. Jody, people can find you at Jody Rosser.com. Is that, that right? is correct? Yes. Yes. And, and I'm also on social media and Instagram and 
Facebook at Jody.Rosser so they can find Perfect. me there. And I just joined TikTok. I'm not sure what, <laughs> <laughs> but I think if I'm over there, I'm going to have some videos of the podcast, like little clips from the podcast. So I, I love it. I think even if you just got on and told a little story every day, you do really great over there. Uh, oh, Jody, good. thanks for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with? You know what? I would just want to say to the person whose heart is just, I know that feeling in which it gets shattered and you're just sitting there with the broken pieces and you just don't know what to do with them. But I would say, first of all, run to God. Like, I know you're angry. There's probably some anger in you. Like, why God? Why God? But don't run away. I, I, you're already feeling alone. Don't feel more alone. Like God wants to meet you. I love the verse Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He wants to be close to you in this and he wants to meet you in your pain. And I also know that it is going to be difficult. So it's not going to be an easy path to walk through it. But I know that as you walk through it, God's going to meet you and grow you and your roots. And you're going to have a powerful testimony. And it's going to be powerful because of what God did through it. And so I'm excited to see what on, what hurting heart you're going to help as you honestly share your story. Oh, I love that. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. 